uh, not to trump their own horn or so forth. Okay, that was a blessing. Thank you, Lori, and look forward to the special tonight in services. Don't forget, we have a 6 o'clock service tonight, so come back with your family online and watch that one. But for now, we'll get into this uh, service, the preaching of God's Word. We're turning to Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28 this morning. Uh, I would encourage you to read the whole chapter. Of course, we can't do that. I've even uh, had more verses I was going to read this morning, but I just scaled it down a little bit more just sitting here uh, on the platform, and we're going to get to our points today. Uh, I'm trying to preach shorter. As Pastor Williams said, we're trying to be aware of time, and and uh, you know it's so difficult. I was talking to somebody the other day. Online preaching with nobody there is difficult, and teaching, because you almost, when you make a mistake, you want to stop the cameras, and you want to say, no, no, and you want to not tell the joke you told, or not said what you said, and you can't. It's recorded for all the world, and that's, that's a lot of pressure, and I've made mistakes. I, Wednesday night, I, I, we recorded the services early. I was home with my wife, came online to watch the service Wednesday night and have prayer time with the church, and I hate watching myself. I hate it, but uh, I watched it with my wife, and I noticed I mentioned Dr. Vouchy. I said it two or three times. It's Fauci. I know it. And I looked at my wife. I said, I bet you there's some church members sitting at home saying, Pastor, it's Fauci. I know it is. I don't know why I did that, but I couldn't stop it. I couldn't stop it. So if I say something that's wrong or like Pastor Williams, he just made so many mistakes this morning, fell all over. I'm just, it's, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. And so pray for your pastors and those that teach the Word of God. And uh, we'll try to do the best job we can. Amen? Well, we're in Acts chapter 28, and uh, we're going to start our reading in verse 17 in God's holy word. Acts chapter 28, verse 17. The Bible says in verse 17, And it came to pass that after three days Paul called the chief of the Jews together, and when, notice the word, they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, Though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hand of the Romans, hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, would have let me go, because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar. Not that I uh, ought to accuse my nation, had ought to accuse my nation of, watch this verse, verse 20, for, the, for this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with chains. I want to preach this thought to you this morning, the story I never grow tired of, the story I never grow tired of. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your holy word. And we ask you now to help me, Lord, as I stand in this pulpit, preaching to our church people and friends that are watching the service. Lord, we have no idea who is watching in our neighborhood or in our state or in our country, Lord, and even in the world with missionaries and people uh, that have found us. And we don't know where they're at with you. We don't know if they're lost or saved. We know that many of the saved are watching, but Lord, please speak to the heart of those unsaved, 
that are watching, I pray the Holy Spirit that you would do the convicting and the convincing and please convert them to saving grace in Jesus Christ. Lord, all we can do is, is tell the story. And we love to, as we sang this morning in our hymnal. Please, Lord, help us. And Lord, help us to see that we ought never get tired of the story of the gospel. Please be with us. Please help us as we preach and as we listen at home. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The story I never grow tired of. Now, the book of Acts, I've mentioned it many times as I taught through Acts or preached through Acts. Just a reminder that the book of Acts is about the functioning of the local church. It's uh, here in the last chapter, chapter 28, we're seeing in our text that it ends as it starts. It begins with the gospel. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. That word both has to mean at the same time. That's what mission's all about. We do what we're supposed to do for missions. We, we're missionaries where we're at. We support missionaries where they're at. And we reach our Jerusalem and, our, and then, then Judea, then Samaria, then the uttermost. And we do all that at the same time. It's, it's, an, it's an outward work of evangelism. The book of Acts is a book of action, and the early church ends with the emphasis of evangelism in the scriptures. The getting the gospel out, the declaring of Jesus Christ, amen? That's good news for the world to hear, the good news that Jesus came and he lived his life. He died on the cross, he was buried, and three days later he rose again victorious and uh, he's gone back to heaven now, and he's coming to get the church again. The gospel, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. People need to hear it. Amen. And people need to receive Christ on their own. Now, this gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ, began in Jerusalem, and then it spread out through Judea and Samaria, the uttermost part, as we read in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now, in Acts 28, again, it, it, the book of Acts begins ends as it starts, we hear more about that gospel and the spread of the gospel. That's what we want to get into in our verses today. Now, the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection had spread to Rome, to the Roman world, this great civilization of the Romans. And God caused that. God allowed that time. In Galatians, it's called the fullness of time. God allowed Rome to rule and to reign. And God used the civilization of the Romans to allow his gospel to travel to the world, to propagate to the world. I've mentioned this before, maybe some of you remember, some of you won't, but it was called the Pax Romana. And that word Pax Romana means the peace of Rome. The, the, the world was becoming settled. It had a peace to it, although Rome was cruel. Pastor Williams talked about the cruelty at Nahum's day. Uh, Rome was cruel, but they were controlling their nation, and it was for the betterment of what they felt the nation should be. And when the Pax Romana came, it, there was peace between different nationalities and different people groups within the Roman Empire. And God took that and used it for the gospel. God took that, the, the way the Romans developed and built their road system, so that the gospel could go to the world. Uh, God used the Romans' knowledge of shipping lanes 
and, and getting, getting people from one place to another. And again, to propagate the gospel. Paul walked everywhere he went, but he also went on ships. And he went to places and the gospel was preached. People heard the gospel and then they went to their regions. And they told the story of Jesus. They gave the gospel. And that's how the gospel went to the world. So this peace that Rome brought about... Uh, it was to propagate the gospel. Now, through Roman power and Roman conquest, the other nations were in submission, but God used it so that he could reach people that he loved and he wanted to be saved. This, uh, this reality of Rome being a superpower at that time was allowed by God as a means to travel and spread the gospel. Again, let me make sure that we understand that. Isn't our God good to get the gospel going? And right at the early church, they knew the first message, going to the world, go into the world and preach the gospel. That was what the church was doing. Church, let me remind us, as you sit home, as I'm here preaching to you, friends that are listening, the number one goal, the number one job of the church is to preach the gospel. We're wondering, why has this all happened to our to us, to our nation, to our world. God wants the gospel preached. God wants the gospel to go to people that he loves. And you know, Paul had a heart for the Romans, and they mistreated him, but he still loved them, and he wanted them saved. Uh, we ought to have that same heart for the lost. Amen. That's why I like this story this morning that I'm preaching on. I like my title this morning, the story I never grow tired of. We should never get tired of hearing the gospel. As church members, sometimes I, I can understand coming to church, say, oh, pastor, another gospel message. It's Sunday morning, and, and pre our preachers come in and preach the gospel. That's wonderful. We should never grow tired of hearing that old, old story of the gospel. So, and listen, as a Christian, if you've heard it, I don't want to, listen, think about this right now. We have more people listening than we've ever had before because of the media and internet. We have no idea how many people are hearing the gospel, not just in our local church, but in all the gospel preaching local churches in their areas. And the gospel's going forth like it's never gone forth in our time. It is amazing time. Uh, I love to tell the story. We sang it this morning, 592, and, and our Bella Hanke wrote that song in 1866 based on scripture reading of Psalm 66 and verse 16. And listen to the words. I love to tell the story of things above, of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know it's true. It satisfies my longing as nothing else would do. And then the chorus, I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Now I want to point out something. We're to tell it, not just sing it in church. Amen. We need to tell it. Uh, the third verse, I could go to all of them. They're all great, but I like this third verse. It says, I love to tell the story. Tis pleasant to repeat. We don't get tired of repeating it. Amen. What seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story. For, here, listen. For some have never heard. You know, we forget that even in this community we live in, Livonia, Westland, Farmington Hills, Northville, Novi, 
this, the metro Detroit area, there's some that's never heard. They've never heard a true gospel presentation. They really haven't. And here it says this. The message of salvation from God's own holy word. Thank God for the Bible, for the gift God has given us in the Holy Scriptures. We've got a King James Bible in our English language. Thank God we have it in our language. Amen. What a gift. And there are some people groups in the world that they don't have the Bible in their language yet. That's sad. And I thank God for all those people called of God to get the Bible in their people's given language so they could hear the gospel, understand the gospel, and be saved. Now remember, the early church in the book of Acts, God did a miracle. He caused people to speak in a tongue or a language at one time early on in the New Testament church so that they could go back to their homes and countries and peoples and they could understand the gospel in their own tongue. That was a miracle. Tongues in the Bible, in the book of Acts, in the New Testament church, first, second, fourth, third, fourth, fifth century, was not about jibber-jabber. It was about languages understood but never known before by an individual. The miracle was somebody being able to speak a language, boom, that they never spoke before, so God could what? Send them through the world that the Romans had built roads and, and ships for that people would get the gospel. Isn't that exciting? It's like now, what we're going through right now, God has allowed, God has planned, God has given us this opportunity to spread the gospel. Amen. Thank God for our missionaries on foreign soil that are learning the language of where they've been sent so he can better reach those people and give them the Bible in their own language and tongue. What a blessing that is. Well, I read here in, in chapter 28, I wish you would this week read the whole chapter, but for time's sake, we'll move on. It's key and interesting to me. As you read chapter 28, at least for me, as I read it, it almost abruptly ends. It gives us some information, and all of a sudden, it ends kind of in, now I'm wrong, but in my thinking, I thought it's kind of unfinished. There's got to be more than this. And I'm sure there was. We don't have every bit of information, but we have the information that God wants us to have. You read the rest of the book. It says in verse 30, 31, and Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house. And receive all that came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which are concerning the Lord Jesus with all confidence, no man forbidding him. He was, he was on lockdown, but he's not in a prison cell like we think. He's at home prison, if you would. Don't you feel that way sometimes right now, home prison? Paul's been put into a home. He has his own home, old hired house. He had servants and so forth. And for two years, he's receiving people. We'll say more about that. And Paul's still preaching. He's still teaching. He's still giving advice. He's still counseling. He's doing all this stuff. But we don't have all the information. We don't hear anything about the two years of Paul's home imprisonment. Uh, it tells us nothing about the growth of the early Roman church. I'm sure... Like it has other places. It's growing, but we, we don't, we're not given that information. There's nothing told here uh, at first glance uh, of everything that probably went on in those two years. We're not given a list of who visited Paul and did they get saved when they visited Paul? And, and when he gave advice, did they take it? We don't, we don't have any of that. But it seems like it ends. 
But we need to focus on not how it ends or what we think. We need to say what God has in here. God has in here a man who has served the Lord faithfully for his lifetime, who's in his own hired house. He's an old man now. He's getting tired. He's been in jail. He's been banged around. He's been criticized. All these things that Paul went through. And you know what he's doing? He's still serving the Lord. I want to say to the church now, whatever you're going through, remember, serve the Lord. Don't let this... Don't let, you, don't let this conflict right now put you on the ropes. Don't let it get you to fall by the wayside. Guard your heart of being critical and negative and waking up every day with gloom and doom. We can get up. I, I, know, I know there's a tendency in all of us. I'm that way. But what an exciting day. People ask me, preacher, do you think the Lord's coming? And I've talked about that many times. Yes, everything that's happening right now prophetically is just so... Amazing. But the focus is not, and I know we're all going to do it. Boy, the Lord's coming. Well, that's not the focus. The focus right now on a let's get more people saved. Let's keep pushing the gospel. Let's keep preaching the gospel. Amen, Pastor. That's a wonderful thought, and thank you for it. Amen. All right, we're moving on. You know what's amazing to me that the early church started and that it got a, had a good beginning, an amazing beginning. But you know what's a blessing? The church is still going on. After all these years, after all attack and onslaught, the church is still with us today. Amen. The church is alive. Amen. And stronger and going and glowing for Jesus Christ in spite of all the centuries of hardship. And by the way, saints, what we've gone through in the last 10 weeks, nothing in compared to maybe one day in some of the church age times. We really don't have, I mean, but I know it's hard. I, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to mock or belittle or question. I'm just saying, get it in perspective. And right now as American Christians, we live in nice homes and we have nice stuff. And we sit on nice couches and chairs and yeah, we have to watch the gospel on TV for just a little bit more. But there are people that never got a chance to hear the gospel on TV. They don't have a TV. They don't have a roof. They don't have a chair. They live in grass huts. They're sitting on dirt floor. There are people, as Tommy told us when he preached not long ago when this started, there, there are Christians and people in the Philippines that don't have food to eat. Oh, church, listen, we are so blessed. And I'm not belittling the fact that it's been difficult. We all want to go back to church. We all want to freedom. We don't like what the governor's doing. We don't like what the, the leaders in, in Washington are doing. We, we, I get it. I get it. But will we get this? Now's the time to get the gospel. And to not just think about how we feel or how we think. It's time for us to think as Christ thinks and do what God wants. Amen. Thank God the church is still going. What if the early saints would have just thrown in the towel? Where would we be today? There's so many hard times the church has been through. Now the enemy, I want to remind us too, the enemy tried to destroy the church, has always tried to destroy the church. And let me say this, he's trying to destroy the church now. The effectiveness, the fruitfulness. And one of the things I'm concerned about, I told Pastor Williams, we've talked about it often, we prayed about this. Listen, we come back, we've got to be careful that we don't come back with a negative attitude. I know it's going to be difficult to have a and B services. I know it's going to be difficult to clean in between services. I know it's going to be difficult to, it's going to be different. 
And hopefully not for long, maybe a couple weeks, maybe a month, maybe two months. Maybe a little bit longer. Maybe things will not be the same in our community, our area for a long time. But folks, the gospel needs to be preached. And we got to be careful that the devil does not get a corner, a foot in the door. That we don't be complaining and criticizing and questioning and arguing and fussing. That he doesn't cause us to be at each other. That's what he does. And I have a flesh like you have a flesh. Amen. I certainly do. That's my wife, especially being locked up all these weeks. I, she's a good woman. My wife is a good woman. Uh, you know, I kind of we've been missing our little dog we had. We thought, boy, it'd been nice to have, but probably it'd be good for the dog that the dog wasn't around. I probably would have kicked the dog more and been abusive to the dog and yelled at the dog, but you know, I haven't. I don't have a dog. But anyway, moving on. The the devil's been after the church. The haters of the church have never been able to stamp out the church. Thank God. The church triumphant still marches on. Our church still marches And again, I'm amazed at how faithful God's people have been during this time in their giving, in their praying, in, in, in their support. Amen. Well, we need to be that way when we come back too. We'll be so happy to come back, but if we're not careful, the devil will he'll stir up. Let's not let it happen. Amen? Thank God for Paul. In our current COVID plague situation, the devil would have liked to stop the church and stop the gospel. We don't like our churches closed up. We don't like churches not meeting. You know, there's some churches that never got online services. I thought the other day, what, what about the saints that went to a church that didn't have the ability? They didn't have a assistant pastor that knew what he was doing with it. We didn't have the technology. We didn't, they didn't have the equipment. They didn't have the money to buy the equipment. And there's been some saints sitting at home 10, 11 weeks or whatever, and they haven't had anything except for not of their own church. Oh, man, that's sad. We're so blessed. Even during this COVID situation, devil hasn't stopped the church. And he's not going to stop the church because Jesus gave us a promise. He said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. And the church still goes on. And the church will go on till Jesus comes to get us. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. But until he does, what's this all about? The gospel. Now, Paul arrives at Rome and he actually comes to a place of the fulfillment of his heart's dream. What was Paul's heart's dream? Remember, Paul wanted to go to the Jews. Peter went to the Jews. God said, no, I, I know you love your people. But Paul, I want you to go to the world. I want you to go to the Gentile too. And I want you to understand that Paul went to Rome. Why? Notice what he says uh, in our text here uh, in verse 20. For this cause, therefore, I have called for you to see you, to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. Paul came to Rome for the furtherance of the gospel. I was reading the other day about Agabus. Remember him? He was the prophet that came to Paul and said, Paul, don't go to Rome. You know what Paul said? Rome also. Paul was a Rome also Christian. In spite of what he knew was going to happen to him, Paul said, I've got to go. Why did Paul have to go? The gospel. Souls to be saved. The gospel. The propagation of the gospel. And Paul went to prison 
in God's perfect will for the furtherance of the gospel. Isn't that amazing? And again, he, was tried to, he tried to warn him, but Paul said, I've got to go to Rome. And he went to Rome. And I don't even know if Paul foresaw or foreseen. There you go again. I wish we could stop this and figure it out. But we can't. We're moving on. He never saw chains, the, 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 the binding, the imprisonment. Maybe, maybe he sensed it. Maybe he felt it. Maybe he thought it could have been a possibility. I don't think Paul thought everything about he was going to go through. He just knew he had in his heart to get to Rome and to give the gospel. And for time, you could go to Acts chapter 20 and read that, verses 19 through 24. Please do that. Acts 21 in verse 10 talks about Agabus and his body in that. But the purpose of Paul going to Rome was for the furtherance of the gospel. To the Jew first, to his people, but then from then, the Roman society, the Gentiles. And boy, the Romans were cruel and hateful and domineering. They wanted to control. The Jews wanted their yoke off their neck, their back. But at the same time, God used that country, that civilization, that order to get his gospel to where he wanted it to go. I'm thinking of right now God using this situation to get the gospel further than maybe we could have done ourselves in our little local church. Now, that's my introduction, and I'll go to these points and we'll move along quickly. First of all, I want you to notice this morning these important truths about the propagation of the gospel. Paul's pattern of evangelism is exhibited. In verse 17, the Bible says that Paul called out, and he said, after three days, Paul called together the chief of the Jews together. Now, I, I thought about this. Okay, so he, like, a, like an Indian chief, he called the chief in, the chief guy, the top dog. No, because it says in a plural, it says them. He called them in. And what he says here, this word chief, I looked it up, doesn't mean a single person. It means leaders or rulers. Now, not just the church or important people, but if you would, the city of Rome and its important Jewish leaders, Roman Jews, Paul and he's calling them in. I read a book by F.F. F. Bruce on this, and he said this. In Roman time, he said the Jewish synagogue in Rome had a lead man or a chief ruler or rulers, plural. And we see that in the text. Now go back and think in your mind's eye as you've read the scripture. You know the scriptures. There was a man named Joseph Arimathea. He was a leader. And he's the one that gave Jesus his tomb temporarily. He, he loaned it to him as a borrowed tomb. But there was also another Nicodemus. Remember him? Nick at night. He came to Jesus by night. You remember him? He was a leader of the Jews. And at that time, they were leaders that people respected and went to and held in high honor. So Paul, in his manner, was he's now in Rome. He's, he's arrested. He's brought there. He willingly goes. Rome also. I want the gospel to be preached. And Paul says, here's my first thing. I'm going to call together these type of people. You know what he's doing? He's going to preach to them the gospel. And God's going to use that. He goes to this city. He goes to the perceived, if you would, fathers of the city. If we, in our day, we think of the uh, city council, important people. But this happened to be Roman Jewish people at that time. He calls them together. So that's the pattern of Paul's evangelism. It's exhibited. It's shown how he started reaching his ministry. 
Second of all, Paul's passion for uh, evangelism is expressed. He says here in chapter 28, 17 through 20, and when they had come together, he got them together. What did he get them together for? For a picnic? Did Paul get them together for a barbecue? Did Paul say, you know what? I'm kind of lonely here in this prison cell. I'm tired of being shut up in this prison cell. Let's throw a party. No, Paul didn't do that. He, he first got them together for what? To give them the gospel. To preach to them the gospel. Paul preached to kings. Paul preached to important people. And yes, some of them said, Paul, you're crazy. Others said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. But Paul's job was not to convert them. That's God's job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Paul's job was to give the gospel. That's our job too. And I'll say more about that. But Paul's passion was expressed here. Paul goes to the synagogue. Paul speaks to his own people, the Jews first and also to the Greeks. Paul speaks to the leaders. That's what he's doing right here in Acts chapter 28. And it's amazing to me that Paul's going to a people that didn't love him, but he loved them. Remember, Paul's the one that said, I'd gladly give up my salvation for my people, the Jews. And that's my paraphrase, but he, he meant that. Oh, my goodness. How can we say we love God and we don't go to any people? Now, I know right now we're shut down and we can't. I've tried to give out a few tracts in these last several weeks. I, I'll tell you this. I've never had one person accept a tract. They all kind of like, no, nobody, we're not, we're not supposed to get close to people, and they know it. And I wear a mask when I go to the grocery store. I'm the masked man. Amen. I'd like to go into a Lone Ranger song right now, but I won't. I wear my gloves. And by the way, when we do come back to church, if somebody wants to wear gloves or a mask because they have health issues or they just feel more comfortable, that's fine. Let them. Don't judge them. Don't make fun of them. That, that's not a time for this. But I'll say to those that are going to wear your mask and your gloves, don't judge the church because we're not handing out PPE when you come in. We're, we can't. We won't. But we will separate. We will we'll watch out for one another. Amen. Now, and let me say, it's not always going to work because some people are so lonely and they want to get back to normalcy that they're going to go to their friends and they're going to hug them and they're going to, you know, again, give them a kiss. I don't know. I hope not, unless you're married to that person. But anyway, Paul had a passion. He wanted the Jews saved. And even though he was abused by those Jews, he was maligned, he was persecuted, he was threatened, he was beaten, he was abused by the Jewish hierarchy. Paul still loved them. And wanted to give them the gospel. Go to Romans in your Bible. Chapter 9. We'll read a little bit. Haven't read that much. Romans chapter 9. And look at verses 1 through 3, please. Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. Got to watch my time. I say, uh, chapter 9, verse 1. I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I wish myself were a curse for Christ, for my brethren, the, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. That's the Jews. Chapter 10, in verse 1. One more chapter over. 
Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Paul had a passion, and he expressed it in the matter of evangelism to his own people, and not just his own people, but all people. We need the same thing. Uh, you know, right now, again, people are not going to take our tracks. They're going to shy away from you. They're going to wear their masks. They're going to wear the, and they they not want to get close to you. So it's hard to, but listen, there's coming a time where this, this country, our community, we're going to start getting back to some normalcy. That's where the church needs to shine for Jesus and be bold for Christ. And that's when, when we offer tracts and people might say, okay, their hearts may be more open now than they've been in years. And let's not drop the ball for the furtherance of the gospel. Thirdly, Paul's practice of evangelism is examined. Notice Paul says in Acts 28, verse 18, he says, who when they examined me, they put Paul under a microscope, if you would. They were watching him. Folks, this world is watching the Christian. Our community is watching our church. Lost people are watching the churches and their community more than maybe ever. We have no idea the thoughts they have at night, the worries, the fears they have of the, of the virus, of what if their family member gets sick. All this stuff that's happening, it's real. Maybe people are th- thinking about their own mortality. They're thinking about where am I going to go when I die? Oh, it's time for the furtherance of the gospel. The practice of evangelism examined. Paul said he was examining. I hope that people see Christ in me. I'm not perfect by any means. I make mistakes. So do you. May people see Jesus in me. May they see that my motive is to get people saved. They had their eyes on Paul. And listen, at first they thought Paul to be a troublemaker, a crazy man. Again, one said, you're beside yourself, Paul. That was Paul. Now, think about this. Paul was a scholar. Paul was respected. And now he's a crazy man? Paul took it for Christ's sake. What will we take for Christ's sake? They knew Paul's past, his advancement in Jewry. Not jewelry, Jewry. That means the Jewish people, okay? Being a Pharisee, a one-time persecutor of the church, And now Paul is preaching the gospel. Paul has become a gazing stock. Paul has become a man of respect and credentials and a track record, a man of wisdom, a man of um, prudence. Now he's a puzzlement to them. They can't figure him out. They're looking at Paul and said, isn't this the the Saul we knew? And now his name is Paul and he's with these Christians and he's left all the money and the fame and the prestige. And look at him now. He's in a Roman prison cell. They don't get it. But they do know this. Paul was preaching Jesus Christ. And they must have said to themselves, that guy's serious about whatever this thing is. Because why would he? I mean, they need to look at us. And we need to be a puzzlement to this and them. They look at our past life and they say, you know, I knew Steve Brown, but now he's not the Steve Brown I knew. I knew brother so-and-so. I knew this guy at work and boy, he's a different guy. They need to look at us and they need to know that, hey, they may not want what we got right now. We're kind of strange to them. We're odd to them. We're crazy to them. 
But they know this, boy, they're dedicated to their God, those Christians, those people at Parkview Baptist Church. Amen? Amen, Pastor. Why would Saul change so? Three reasons. They criticized him. They accused him of three things. Sedition. Paul said, he, he says in the chapter, he had done nothing wrong. He, 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 he was examined and they, find, they found nothing wrong with Paul. Like our Lord was examined and they find no sin in him, no fault in him, but he went to the cross. So Paul for, was accused of sedition, riling up the Jews in the city. And then sectarianism. He claimed to be a ruler of the sect of these people. Paul never did. He just preached Christ. He wasn't trying to be on any church council. You know. I remember when I first went to Kenneville years ago, there was a sign outside that little town. It had all the churches, and it had the council of churches. And, and I thought, well, I don't, see any, I don't see any New Hope Baptist Church sign on there yet. You know, if pastors are thinking, I want to get our name on this little sign so we can be added to the council of churches. I don't know if that's a good thing. Amen? Be careful who you fellowship with, who you align yourself with. Amen. Got to be careful. I know I'm online, so I better get back to this. Paul said, I'm not trying to be a leader of a sect, of a cult, but they thought he was. And then sacrilege. They were accusing him. Oh, that's blasphemous. They couldn't. They couldn't do that with Paul. He had not been profane. He had not accused them of anything other than they needed to be saved. They were lost. They needed God. Uh, he didn't attack their temple. He didn't blaspheme their God. Read Acts chapter 24. That's a good one too. The gospel of Jesus Christ is what Paul was all about. Paul's answer in verse 17, Men and brethren, I have committed nothing against and they knew it. So Paul, why was Paul there? Why was Paul considered a nut, a fruitcake? My wife said she had had a good fruitcake in a while. But anyway, they caught, Paul was a good fruitcake. Not a good one. He was a fruitcake. Paul was a crackpot. Why? For the gospel. For the gospel. Why was Paul in Rome? Why did Paul get insulted, mistreated, falsely accused, disdained by his countrymen? God wanted Paul in Rome. God wanted Paul there because he wanted the Romans saved. He wanted the Jewish Romans saved. Verse again, again, verse 20, for this cause, for this cause. Like when God sent Jonah to the Ninevites. As the preacher said this morning, Pastor Williams, I can see why Jonah didn't want to deal with the Ninevites. They were a crude people, a cruel people. But God wanted them saved. And may us be reminded today, back in that day, I imagine many people thought the Ninevites can never change, but they came to repentance. They came to repentance and faith in God. And we think, oh, our nation's so far gone. Hey, hey, hey. God doesn't think that. I had a lot of talk about real revival, national revival coming. Would to God it would. But our people, we have to understand our place in all this. What was Paul's cause, the gospel, Christ, people being saved? Question, got to ask yourself this morning, what is my cause? 
What is your cause? And I'm, I'm not against these things, but so many times we get, we get entrapped with noble and just causes. Some things are okay. You get involved in uh, civil rights or politics or amendments or right to life, environment, feed the hungry, save the planet. These are all important things. Please, please don't get mad at me for saying this. But those are fine things. But sometimes Christians get involved in those things heavily. And they don't do anything about the gospel. They're not faithful to the local church. They don't have time to teach a class or hold an office because they're busy with this other stuff that's good. Paul went to Rome for the gospel. We've got to put first things first. And then if God leads you to be concerned and active in these other things. But it's got to be the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul was imprisoned here. And again, we know what that feels like. Not really. But we cannot equate what we're going through to what Paul was going through. But Paul was imprisoned. He's locked up. Why was Paul in Rome? Why was he locked up? Why was he chained? Why was he imprisoned? For the advancement of the gospel. The real reason Paul went and they came to him when he called them was the hope of the gospel. He says in Philippians 1.18, What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therefore do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Folks, if we can boil that down to that verse, Christ is preached. Whatever happens in my life, your life, Christ is preached. Whatever hardship we go through, Christ is preached. Whatever loss we go through, Christ is preached. Oh, may we all get back to that point in our life where, Lord, I don't like this. It's hard. Yes, God understands that. But Christ is preached. And then Paul's plea of evangelism extended. Acts chapter 28, verses 23 and 24. Let's look at them and we'll wrap this up. 23 and 24 of Acts chapter uh, uh, 28, 23 and 24. And when they had appointed him a day, they came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, watch this, from morning till evening. Don't complain to me about how long our services are. Online or when you get back. Amen. Verse 24. And here's the thing I got you. You got to see this. And we're almost done. I promise you. And some believed the things which were spoken. And some believed not. Keep that. Some believed and some didn't believe. Right? Paul's plea of evangelism is extended here. Note Paul's content of his message. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. No, the response of Paul's message, and some believed, and some believed not. Are you listening? We can't make people get saved. It's the Holy Spirit's job to take the Holy Scriptures and put them in the heart of a lost sinner. Convict, convince, and bring them to conversion, to salvation. It's not my job, it's not your job. What is our job? To tell the story. I love to tell the story. It's a story I never get tired of. I hope you haven't. It's what we need to be doing right now. And here's the truth. Some will believe 
And some will not believe. That's sad. But at least they heard it. At least they got a chance. Amen. Ours is to give the message. We had a meeting the other day about the preparation of the church and some of the procedures we're going through to keep the church clean and safe. And I remember one of the men, he said, you know, our job is not to make everybody comply. Our job is to educate, to tell them what they should and shouldn't do for their safety. But we can't make them do anything. It's not our job. Hey, it's not our job to save anybody. It's not our job to, to make sure they get saved, to, to win. It's our job to tell the story. And pray, 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 and keep telling the story. And if we end up in a prison cell like Paul, if we end up shipwrecked like Paul, if we end up hurt in some way physically or emotionally or financially or any other way, Christ is preached. Oh, may we see this. And I'll wrap up with this point. Paul's preaching and ministry became endless. In verse 30, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him. I kind of I relate to this. You know, Paul has served the Lord. I haven't gone through anything Paul's gone through. But as a getting older preacher... You're, you're weaker, you're, you're, you're not as, you don't have the mind you used to have, the sharpness. I mean, it, it happens. Amen? It happens. Paul is older, he's weaker, he's slower, he's in his senior days. But he's still preaching. And he's still teaching. And he's still ministering. And he's still helping, he's still advising. Amen? And it said this, all that came to him he received. Saints, when this is all over with, we can't, we can't, we can't keep on our mask and our gloves. I mean, several weeks, past months, we can't do that. Stay away from our neighbors. Don't talk to your neighbors. That's the time we're going to have to reach out and be friendly. It's the time where maybe we have them over for, at our house. Yes, our neighbors, our community, people that we want to reach. Have them do our home. And yes, social distance. That's the time for us to shine and tell the story and talk about Jesus. And just maybe if they're around us and we're building relationships. Oh, I forgot. I'm not supposed to move. I'm sorry. You saw me. You didn't see me over here. I'm sorry. I'm back. I forgot. I don't, can't do that. I'm just waxing eloquent here. I'm trying to draw a conclusion. Listen, it's our time to shine. It's our time to get to know people are hurting. And when they come back, to some normalcy, may there be Christians like Paul who was willing to go through this and that for the gospel's sake, for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Maybe we'll open our home for prayer meetings and afterglows for the teens again real soon. And church fellowships, not right away, but after a while. And may we use those as opportunities to invite a neighbor a co-worker, to come and hear the gospel, the gospel. Amen? So Paul's a gray-haired old preacher, but he still has a vision, he still has wisdom, he still has knowledge, he still has a heritage to pass on, and he does. He received all that came to his house. And I'll close with this. I, I, I find this interesting. Paul went to Rome, and in Philippi, it talks of Paul, and it says that Paul was in his bonds, and he said throughout the palace, and it also mentions the saints in Caesar's household. Wow. 
They were saints, Christians, in Caesar's household that became saints because of Paul being in a Roman prison. Because of Paul later being in his own hired house. Lockdown, can't go anywhere. What's that called? House arrest? But he received. And some of these people were being saved. And Caesar, and Caesar hated the church. He was, he was the crazy man. But people were being saved in Caesar's house. Now, church, I'm not telling you to go to Caesar's palace. I'm not telling you to go to Las Vegas. I don't, I don't get this wrong. Amen. I'm telling you, we can lead people to Christ in any situation that God wants us to be in for his glory and honor. We're in a lockdown. We're in a shutdown. God is working. I'll close with this. The story I never get tired of. I never grow tired of. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's tell it. Amen? The best we know how. And don't get discouraged because verse 24 says, Some will believe and some will not believe. But our job is to tell it, to preach it, to teach it, to educate, to show clearly, and let God do his work. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you for the liberty to preach, and I pray that you have spoken to hearts. Lord, I pray that you clean up my mess-ups, my mistakes, my fumbles. Let them not be something that would cause somebody not to get the gospel. And Lord, help us to remember we're not going through anything like Paul went through. But he glorified you. And he did your will so that others may hear the gospel. Bless the preaching of your word, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for being patient. Uh, we're going to close our services as always. We're praying for you. Pray for us. Uh, enjoy your Lord's Day. And come back at 6 o'clock. We'll have a song leader, Brother Paul. We'll have a pianist, Sister Laura. We'll have a special singer, and uh, we'll have a good service, okay? Good day, and God bless you.